Hello and welcome to another edition of the Quadcast. I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for giving us a listen. For those of you new to the podcast, while it is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. I truly believe that this is a 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul. I hope everyone had a happy and more importantly, a healthy Thanksgiving. What did you have to be thankful for this year? For me, as always, I give thanks to the good Lord for having such an amazing and supportive family, wonderful friends, kind and patient new work colleagues, and aside from the obvious, my health. It is with this as a backdrop and the fact that I have not been able to secure a good guest in some time. It's not for a lack of trying, folks. I promise, I promise, I'm trying, so stick with me. I am introducing a new segment here on the show that I'm calling Analysis Paralysis. See what I did there? Geez, I'm clever. I flipped around paralysis analysis. Okay, all kidding aside, what I aim to do today and in the future is to read articles that I find online or on social media that convey promising, exciting, groundbreaking, and hopefully game-changing news and results for those of us living with spinal cord injury. Today, I have two such stories. One entitled, Dancing Molecules Successfully Repair Severe Spinal Cord Injuries, that comes to us from the Northwestern University School newspaper. And our second installment is from the Los Angeles Times and is called One Step Then Another. With determination and new therapies, there's hope for paralysis patients. I know, I know, this all sounds so amazing. So I'll give you some time to go grab a pen, a snack, and a drink because after this brief commercial break, I will read all about it. And that, my friends, is next. Did you know that one in every 50 Americans is living with some form of paralysis? The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation wants to change that. They are dedicated to discovering cures for spinal cord injury by funding innovative research and improving the quality of life and health for all people living with paralysis. Make a difference, change a life, and redefine what it means to live with paralysis by joining the Reeve Foundation today. For more information, visit ChristopherReeve.org. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. And we are back. Remember, you can find the show at the following hosts, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Okay, class, I hope you're ready for story time. You have a nice comfy chair to sit in, and I want to preface this by saying I might screw up some of the very medical terms that are that are contained in this article. So if I have to go back or whatever, please bear with me uh, because I did not finish medical school. Haha, <laughs> I never started medical school. Okay, our first article again is from the Northwestern University School Newspaper, and it was written by Amanda Norris, and the dateline is November 11, 2021. Here we go. Northwestern University researchers have developed a new injectable therapy that harnesses dancing molecules to reverse paralysis and repair tissue after spinal cord injuries. 
In a new study, researchers administered a single injection to tissues surrounding the spinal cords of paralyzed mice. Just four weeks later, the animals regained the ability to walk. The research will be published in the November 12 issue of Journal Science. After the therapy performs its function, the materials biograde into nutrients for the cells within 12 weeks and then completely disappear from the body without noticeable side effects. This is the first study in which researchers controlled the collective motion of molecules through changes in chemical structure to increase a therapeutic's efficacy. Quote, our research aims to find a therapy that can prevent individuals from becoming paralyzed after major trauma or disease, said Northwestern's Samuel Stupp, who led the study. Quote, for decades, this has remained a major challenge for scientists because our body's central nervous system, which includes the brain and spinal cord, does not have any significant capacity to repair itself after injury or after the onset of a degenerative disease. We are going straight to the FDA to start the process of getting this new therapy approved for use in human patients who currently have very few treatment options, end quote. Stupp is Board of Trustees Professor at Materials, Science and Engineering, Chemistry, Medicine and Biomedical Engineering at Northwestern where he is founding director of the Simpson Query Institute for Bio-Nanotechnology, SQI, and its affiliated research center, the Center for Regenerative Nanomedicine. He has appointments in the McCormick School of Engineering, Weinberg College of Arts and Sciences, and Feinberg School of Medicine. According to the National Spinal Cord Injury Statistical Center, nearly 300,000 people are living with a spinal cord injury in the United States. Life for these patients can be extraordinarily difficult. Less than 3% of people with complete injury ever recover basic physical functions. And approximately 30% are rehospitalized at least once during any given year after the initial injury costing millions of dollars in average lifetime health care costs per patient. Life expectancy for people with spinal cord injuries is significantly lower than people without spinal cord injuries, and this has not improved since the 1980s. Quote, currently there are no therapeutics that trigger spinal cord regeneration, said Stupp, an expert in regenerative medicine. I wanted to make a difference on the outcomes of spinal cord injury and to tackle this problem given the tremendous impact it could have on the lives of patients. Also, new science to address spinal cord injury could have impact on strategies for neurodegenerative diseases and stroke, end quote. The secret behind Stupp's new breakthrough therapeutic is tuning the muscles, tuning the motion of molecules so they can find and properly engage constantly moving cellular receptors. Injected as a liquid, the therapy immediately gels into a complex network of nanofibers that mimic the extracellular matrix of the spinal cord.
By matching the matrix's structure, mimicking the motion of biological molecules, and incorporating signals for receptors, the synthetic materials are able to communicate with cells. Quote, receptors in neurons and other cells constantly move around, Stubb said. The key innovation in our research, which has never been done before, is to control the collective motion of more than 100,000 molecules within our nanofibers. By making the molecules move, dance, or even leap temporarily out of these structures, known as supramolecular polymers, they are able to connect more effectively with receptors, end quote. Stupp and his team found that fine-tuning their molecules' motions within the nanofiber network to make them more agile resulted in greater therapeutic efficacy in paralyzed mice. They also confirmed that formulations of their therapy with enhanced molecular motion performed better during in vitro tests with human cells, indicating increased bioactivity and cellular signaling. Quote, given the cells themselves and their receptors are in constant motion, you can imagine that molecules moving more rapidly would encounter these receptors more often, Stop said. If the molecules are sluggish and not as social, they may never come into contact with the cells, end quote. Once connected to the receptors, the moving molecules trigger two cascading signals, both of which are critical to spinal cord repair. One signal prompts the long tails of the neurons in the spinal cord, called axons, to regenerate. Similar to electrical cables, axons send signals between the brain and the rest of the body. Severing or damaging axons can result in the loss of feeling in the body or even paralysis. Repairing axons, on the other hand, increases communication between the body and brain. The second signal helps neurons survive after injury because it causes other cell types to proliferate, promoting the regrowth of lost blood vessels that feed neurons and critical cells for tissue repair. The therapy also includes myelin to rebuild around axons and reduces glial scarring, which acts as a physical barrier that prevents the spinal cord from healing. Quote, the materials used in the study mimic the, new, the natural proteins that are needed to induce the desired biological responses. However, proteins have extremely short half-lives and are expensive to produce, said Saida Alvarez, the study's first author. Our synthetic signals are short, modified peptides that, when bonded together by the thousands, will survive for weeks to deliver bioactivity. The end result is a therapy that is less expensive to produce and lasts much longer, end quote. A former research assistant professor in Stupp's laboratory, Alvarez is now a visiting scholar at SQI and a researcher at the Institute for Bioengineering of Catalonia in Spain. While the new therapy could be used to prevent paralysis after major trauma, such as automobile accidents, falls, sports accidents, and gunshot wounds, as well as from diseases, Stupp believes the underlying discovery that, quote, supermolecular motion, end quote, is a key factor in bioactivity, 
and can be applied to other therapies and targets. Quote, the central nervous system tissues we have successfully regenerated in the injured spinal cord are similar to those of the brain affected by a stroke and neurodegenerative diseases such as ALS, Parkinson's disease, and Alzheimer's disease, Stubb said. Beyond that, our fundamental discovery about controlling the motion of molecular assemblies to enhance cell signaling could be applied universally across biomedical targets, end quote. I hope it didn't get too technical and too medical for you. It did for a little bit me the first time I read through it. But who knew, folks, dancing molecules, they could hold the key to everything for people like me and uh, and our community. I think it's amazing. And my hats are off to uh, Mr. Stupp and all of the research that he's working with. I hope they continue. Um, and I hope that the uh, trials in human beings start soon because um, this is really promising. Okay. Speaking of promising, when we come back from this commercial break, we are going to jump right into the article from the Los Angeles Times. And that is coming your way after this. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, the radio play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils. If you like what you're hearing from John McAlevey on today's show, then you'll want to check out more Sports Now's podcast. You know, John's a huge sports fan, and each week he joins me and Steve Titchener for a spirited roundtable discussion on what's going on in sports on both sides of the Hudson. Our podcast can be heard at moresportsnow.com, but also on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. I hope you'll check us out. Thanks for sticking with me. And on to Article 2, which again is titled, One Step Then Another, With Determination and New Therapies, There's Hope for Paralysis Patients. It was written by Steve Lopez of the Los Angeles Times, and the dateline is November 24, 2021. This one's a bit long, so we'll get through as much of it as we can. Ignacio Montoya pauses, gathers strength, takes a step, then another and another. With the assistance of a walker, an exoskeleton suit, and robotic legs that are attached to his own and help propel him forward, Montoya is making his way up and down the promenade along the water's edge at the Marina del Rey boat basin next to Trader Joe's. Quote, Christopher Reeve would be amazed, says UCLA scientist Reggie Edgerton, who worked with the late actor and is now watching Montoya's every move. Walking without assistance isn't likely anytime soon, if ever, for those with severe spinal injuries. But some improvements in function, thought impossible until recent years, are now being realized. Montoya was nearly killed in 2012 when a minivan crossed into his path while he was on his motorcycle. At the time, Montoya was studying simultaneously at Georgia State University and Georgia Tech, as well as working at a bank and training in the Air Force ROTC program. In the violent collision, nerves in Montoya's neck were shredded. His lungs collapsed. His back was broken. A spinal cord injury left him paralyzed in one arm and both legs. Montoya, who turned 22 the day before his injury and is now 30, was told he had maybe 1% chance of regaining any sensation. 
But Montoya, whose family came to the United States from Cuba after winning a visa lottery when he was six, is the kind of person who thinks one chance in a hundred is a reason for optimism. He completed his business degree a year after the accident, followed by a master's in biomedical engineering. He then set out to study the state of spinal cord injury treatments around the world, determined to prove his prognosis wrong. That led him in the summer of 2019 to the UCA, UCLA lab of Edgerton, a man whose own relentless determination made for a good fit with Montoya. Edgerton had polio as a young lad in North Carolina, but played baseball and basketball. He says he wanted to be seen as just another kid and treated equally. I'm 81 years old now, Edgerton tells me while, wa while watching Montoya move along the promenade. Edgerton is finally seeing the benefits of painstaking research he and a handful of other scientists in the world have been grinding away on, trying to push the boundaries of possibility. Working with funding made possible in part by the activist efforts of Reeve, who was paralyzed after a fall from a horse in 1995 and died in 2004, Edgerton has explored the ways in which the brain and spinal cord can be retrained to work together. With gradual refinements, especially in the last few years, he says he has seen patients stand and move with assistance, regain sensation in lower extremities, and improve bladder function and sexual activity. I've just started the same thing with cerebral palsy kids, and I don't want to overstate it, but what we are seeing is frankly phenomenal, Edgerton said. Earlier in his career, Edgerton had no shortage of skeptics in medicine, and some even scoffed, scoffed at his theories. Quote, he was always a bit countercultural, says Dr. Richard Lieber, chief scientific officer of the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab in Chicago. Basically, he got Christopher Reeve up and walking, and that really shook the place, end quote. Edgerton's therapy, quote, isn't the answer for everyone, says Lieber, who noted ongoing research by other scientists. But the Ability Lab honored Edgerton in 2019 for what Lieber called his monumental impact in the fields of neuromuscular physiology and rehabilitation. He says Edgerton spawned an entire cottage industry of rehabilitation, and I would say it's one of the most promising treatments for spinal cord injury in our time. Dr. Charles Tater, a neurosurgeon and researcher in Toronto, says he tried similar therapies a few decades ago, but didn't have as much success. He now thinks that Edgerton has had breakthroughs that might one day lead to similar treatment, not just for cerebral palsy patients, but for stroke patients as well. Quote, Reggie is trying to wake up the damaged nervous system and do things that are not possible without new tricks, end quote, says Tater. In my view, he's a real pioneer. Almost 10 years ago, after years of research on mammals proved promising, Edgerton employed a procedure in which electrodes were surgically implanted over the spinal cord to stimulate the central nervous system. Even with severe damage to the spinal cord, he says, some neurological pathways remain in place. In recent years, he switched to a simplified and less invasive form of the same concept, attaching electrodes to the skin over the lumbar portion of the spine. 
quote, we've gotten probably half of our subjects who were completely injured to be able to stand within a matter of four to eight weeks of training, end quote, says Edgerton, who doesn't know yet the full potential nor the limitations of such treatments. The state of spinal cord therapy, he said, is about at the same stage where the Wright brothers were when they first flew a plane. Montoya remembers his flight out of Cuba as a child. Though he was just six, he recalls a sense of liberation, as well as the beginnings of his desire to become an aviator and serve his adopted country. During his college years and ROTC training, his goal was to become an F-16 fighter pilot. Then came the accident. Quote, I was pronounced dead, says Montoya, who tells me he was revived in the emergency room. After you have a spinal cord injury, you get sent home in a wheelchair. It doesn't matter where you are in the United States or the world. They may give you an inpatient therapy. They may give you inpatient therapy for a month, two months, three if you're lucky, and you might get a little outpatient therapy also. But you don't get sent home with much hope. Quote, clinicians feel obligated to tell them they are never going to walk again, Edgerton says. This is one of the first things they hear. The prevailing consensus, Edgerton says, has been that a year after suffering a severe spinal cord injury, even minimal recovery is highly unlikely, unlikely, if not impossible. Quote, it almost is impossible to get insurance to cover any type of treatment, he says. He understands the dangers of creating false hope in patients, but also the danger of giving no hope at all, especially as the number of medical tools grow, as does the bank of knowledge about how the nervous system controls movement. He now has three other patients going through the same treatment regimen as Montoya, who works out at the marina three days a week and two days more at two, two days more in Edgerton's UCLA lab. At the lab, Montoya is suspended weightlessly over a treadmill with electrodes attached to his spine to stimulate his nervous system. My brain is interpreting these sensations, Montoya says, and with assistance from therapists, he is able to contract muscles and move his legs, even after the electrical stimulation is removed. He then lies on his side, suspended again, and is able to voluntarily contract muscles to move his legs, as if he's pedaling a bike. The sensations he feels are nothing like what he felt before the accident, he says, but the electrical stimulation and a growing awareness of communication between his brain, spinal circuitry, and muscles is making movement possible. It's as if he's learning to eavesdrop on a conversation between his brain and nervous system and using that intelligence to begin learning how to regain some control. You can't be passive, Montoya says. You have to think really, really hard about every little muscle and every little movement. And when you concentrate, you are able to tap into those peripheral nerves. And that's when you can control the muscles. Edgerton says that in the case of bladder control, the spinal cord injury patient knows the bladder needs emptying, even though the signal feels different. Montoya said he has been able to contract muscles in his lower extremities and abdomen, which helps with his breathing. He says exercise has produced an overall feeling of greater physiological function, 
It also seems to relieve chronic severe arm pain, and his bone density has reached normal levels. Quote, I have been able to accelerate my heart rate, which in turn increases my circulation, and I'm able to get rid of neural neuropathic pain, Montoya says. I'm able to regulate my body temperature. I'm sweating for the first time when working out, and I'm actually feeling hungry and thirsty again. I mean, it's revolutionary. It's life-changing, and I'm seeing it, and I'm witnessing it. And for someone who has been paralyzed for the last eight years, almost nine, I am feeling sensation, and for me to say those words is incredible. Equally incredible is how much energy Montoya has. Despite the demands of his time-consuming therapy sessions, he is also attending Cal State University Los Angeles in pursuit of yet another master's degree, this one in kinesiology. So he's better able to understand his own recovery and give him an edge with a company he works for as chief scientific officer. Henry the Healthcare Institute for Neuro Recovery and Innovation is a nonprofit whose mission is to study medical breakthroughs, particularly in paralysis therapy, and build support for researchers, giving them the resources necessary to accelerate new therapies. Quote, the more I put on my schedule and the busier I am, the better I perform, Montoya says. Montoya, like Edgerton, doesn't know what further recovery he's capable of. It's too soon to know, and promise is tempered by reality. There is no cure for severe spinal cord injuries, Montoya says, but there are interventions, such as the ones he's undergoing, that can help treat the mental paralysis as well as the physical. The mental paralysis of not seeing any hope. When it comes to fl- when it comes to flight, Montoya now has a variation on his original dream. With space travel expanding in recent times, he's raising his hand for a seat on the next launch, hoping for a chance to be what he calls, quote, an accessibility ambassador to those with disabilities. Montoya says he's grateful for Edgerton's inspiration and for the chance to help, quote, continue the legacy of Christopher Reeve, end quote, and he's enjoying life in California. Wow. I certainly hope you got a chance to listen to both of the articles. And, you know, as someone living with a spinal cord injury, these things are really heartening for me, and I hope they will be for my audience. Again, this is a new segment that I'm going to utilize. It's something that I'm calling analysis paralysis. And it will be from articles that I find either on the web or through social media or through friends that uh, that I think are really beneficial to our community, um, that, uh, that give us hope, which is what we all need because our days are tough. No one says they're easy. And if something uh, like these breakthroughs can make our, our daily routines just a little easier and a little more palatable and put a little bit more of a smile on our face, then so be it. That's a great thing. And what I'm going to do now is I want to leave everyone um, this post-Thanksgiving podcast with uh, a sense of thank you to, uh, again, not only my family and friends and, uh, and whatnot, but to the doctors and researchers working on cures and breakthroughs in this field. Uh, and I can't think of a better song 
then Kind and Generous by Natalie Merchant, formerly of the 10,000 Maniacs. It was released in 1998, and oh, do I wish it was out around the time that I had uh, been discharged from Kessler, which was early 1993, because I totally would have played it uh, as high. I would have turned up my boombox as high as it would go uh, and blare it for all of the the, the folks there that, that made my stay there, you know, as good as it could have been, because the underlying, you know, lyric, as you'll hear, is is thanking people, which we should all do uh, more so in this world, I think. And speaking of thanking people, I want to thank my Mixmaster General, Chris Parapesco, who has been with me from the beginning, Chris at Harbor Picture Company, for mixing the show and making it sound as good as it is. I want to thank you, Chris. And uh, following my send-off, we will, we will jump right into Uh, kind and generous. So uh, until next time, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. Oh, I-